The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. In the middle of life's messes. Hot, happy mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> what is up? Welcome to another episode of Hot, Happy Mess. I am Zuri Hall, and uh, it's really hot. I'm super hot. I'm just, I am so hot it's aggravating i am on edge <laughs> summer is here and my ac unit went out y'all i think i told you about this i don't know i don't know i don't know words are hard um it went out <laughs> like two three it went out a minute ago honestly but it was fine because it wasn't so hot and i am so weird because like i'll splurge on the most random things and then not feel like paying for the most practical necessary things and it is becoming necessary to fix my ac unit but nobody told me about this whole once you buy the house you're the one who has to take care of it thing and i want my money back just kidding i love the house i don't love how hot it is in this house <laughs> after like 11.30 in the morning. So that's what's going on over here. Me sweating, Lola side-eyeing me because she's hot as hell. <laughs> and we mostly have just been staying in the lowest level of the house, which is cool and shaded and comfortable. But yeah, I think it might be time to cough up that cash and get this AC fixed. Um, but anyways, I am sipping on a glass of rosé. Work is done for the day. I was thinking... Hot Happy Mess, we should have like a signature drink or a snack for the summer. You know how like teams have mascots and royal families have crests? <laughs> the podcast should have a signature drink and snack. Producer Star said nachos and martinis. I think that's a, an interesting combination that I'm not really going to hop on board with. Also, nachos just seem like something hot to be eating in this already hot weather. Something cool, ceviche. Everyone doesn't like fish or seafood. Something cool and refreshing for summer. A charcuterie board, um, hot Cheetos, I don't know. Guac, salsa, you tell me, shrimp cocktail? What about shrimp cocktail? For the drink of the summer, I could get down with us collectively onboarding, like a mojito could be cute. I love a Long Island. Like, I don't know why. I just like, that is my family's drink. Like that is our royal crest. <laughs> like we have the most amazing family recipe um, that has been passed down from generation to generation. Just kidding. I think it started with my uncle. 
and is delicious. So what about like a skinny Long Island or a skinny Mark? I will say um, the older I get, the less I want all the sugar and stuff. Cause one, it just doesn't taste as good. I want something light and refreshing. And I'm also trying to avoid the headaches. I don't know, you let me know. Comment, leave a, leave a review and let me know what the signature drink and snack of summer should be for Hot Happy Mess or slide in my DMs, leave a comment. I need some recommendations. We'll announce it at the, uh, I don't know, sometime this summer and whichever person's thing I pick will win a prize. <laughs> so now I gotta go find a prize. But I promise if we get submissions, I will pick one and the winner will win a prize. So just to make sure that you leave your, your handle, your at for Instagram or Twitter. So we can slide in the DMs and tell you what you've won. Um, I'm super excited for today's episode. We are diving a bit deeper into the crypto of it all, specifically NFTs and Web3. Uh, today's guest is sharing why Black women and women of color should be pivoting into the crypto space, career opportunities for you if you're interested in maybe a pivot, and also how we can buy our first NFT. It is so good, and I don't want you to miss a thing. So grab a pen and a notepad because Melissa is dropping all of the decentralized gems. All right, let's get this convo started. Here's Melissa. Here she is. Melissa is a prolific lifestyle writer and digital media executive with past roots at the Huffington Post, Ebony and Gizmodo, among other mainstream outlets. Her specialty is creative storytelling mixed with an international tech lifestyle approach. In 2017, she discovered blockchain and fell down the crypto rabbit hole like so many of us, myself included. Melissa keeps her audience updated on the latest crypto trends, insights, and with her weekly newsletter, Crypto in the City. She is head of community at ApeWorks, a smart contract Python-based developer framework for building Web3. I can't wait to ask her what that sentence means. And her mission and priority are to document and bring together the spirit and personality of urban culture. Currently, she's creating content in futuristic formats through her brand, Violet Summer, where readers can experience her zine in VR and as NFT. Hello, hello, Melissa. How are you doing? <laughs> I am good, Zori. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. You know, I'm really fascinated by this space. Um, anyone who's listened to our crypto episodes knows that I've been um, not just casually interested, but investing since probably about 2017. And then y'all hit me with a plot twist. Now they're talking NFTs and Web3 and so much more than, you know, the mainstream public was hip to at least four or five years ago. Um, so we're all excited to learn this space together. And I appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. Um, just to kick things off, how did you even get into the, the crypto space and to this new world we all find ourselves in? Yeah. So I think I started out as a blogger. I was really interested in being a writer from growing up. And when I graduated college, I wanted to work at a glossy magazine and everyone, you know, you want to get your name on this print masthead. And there wasn't any space for me really, except in the digital department. So I started out working as um, a writer in the digital department, learning about digital media um, from the onset. And then from there, I started exploring different ways to create content. Um, I always wanted to have ownership over my work. I never really liked the idea of like a website shutting down and then, you know, there's no way to document your work. So I started out in the creator economy and really just experimenting with micropayments, which is the idea that someone comes onto your site and gives you a small little payment, like a cent or a penny for um, your 
your work. And then that in turn goes into uh, something called a hot wallet, which um, Wendy explained in your uh, previous um podcast. So from there, I just really just fell down a crypto rabbit hole because I really needed to tap into these communities in order to um, share, shed light on, you know, my career, but then also, you know, stay up to date on the latest trends. So in 2020, during the pandemic, um, like everyone, we were in the house and I started playing with around in this app called Clubhouse app. Oh, yeah. Basically, Clubhouse app was an app where it's audio first and the first early adopters were our uh, developers and creators. So um, the developers, they were, you know, creating all these apps on in the crypto space and they really needed people, beta users to test um, these crypto uh, coins or like shill their coins, which is promoting their coins to these audiences. So the developers are like, you know, I was one of the early users and I was pretty much in these clubhouse rooms listening in and I was in a Bitcoin room and because their clubhouse was dominated by Bitcoiners like in early 2020. And I just pretty much fell down a crypto rabbit hole. I became a Bitcoin maxi. I learned (laughs) and I read, I know I read the Bitcoin standard and I really just believed in cryptocurrency because I, as a creator, I always wanted to get paid. I wanted to get paid on time. And those were kind of the shortfalls for my industry. Um, And the rest is history. Um, I connected with a lot of different communities on Clubhouse. And from there, we took it into Twitter spaces and IRL which uh, that's how I got my job now, just networking online. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. I love that. Um, I'm curious to know, still Bitcoin purists? Are we dabbling in altcoins at all? <laughs> yes, are you allowed to? Um, you probably can't say I'm the on a mic. Even you know what? You well, you know what? I think it's good to have a diversified, you know, crypto portfolio. Yeah. Um, and I started out as with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the first cryptocurrency, and I wanted to learn the history of money. So that's why I read the Bitcoin Standard and all these different ideologies about political systems and how people, you know, come to um, all all gather around one currency and start trading it and buying and selling it. So no, I'm not necessarily a Bitcoin maxi anymore. I do, um, I do, uh, believe in other uh, coins and other ways and uh, to collaborate in the crypto space. Um, but I, I have some Bitcoin maxi friends and okay. I think it's a great so place to start. So yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, been keeping up with the headlines and it seems like every other day there's a new plot twist when it comes to the metaverse (laughs) web three uh who owns twitter there's so much happening right now oh we saw that facebook recently switched it up they're officially known as meta the the uh, Mm -hmm. massive enterprise obviously there's still the facebook uh social media platform community whatever you want to call it um but the fact that facebook rebranded as meta i mean if the writing wasn't on the wall before, it certainly was at that point to the general public who maybe didn't realize beforehand mm-hmm. just kind of where we're all headed. Um, so everyone's asking at this point, what the heck is Web3? What is Web 3.0, perhaps, you know? Um, so break down the difference for us. Um, what is Web3 in relation to Web2 and Web1? Like, how do you, are we referring to it correctly? Am I saying things? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Right now, we're still building Web3, so or Web 3.0. So we have different uh, ways of saying Web3 or Web 3.0. But essentially, it's 
the decentralization of communication um, and also the decentralization of mainstream like media outlets. So I guess you can say that Web 1, it was all about static pages. So you had AOL.com. You might have had Wikipedia. Um, you know, there was one server that you can connect to your, you know, to the Internet. Um, and, you know, that's known as like dollop. So everyone's like, OK, well, if you needed to connect to the Internet, you had to like take out your phone cord. Right. Talking to my friends on AIM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking to your friends on AIM. There were only a few different ways that you could connect to this virtual machine in Web 1. Then we have Web 2, and that was like the invention of user-generated content and websites like YouTube and um, Facebook or, you know, Tumblr. And, you know, there were a lot of different content creators and influencers that came to the mainstream and was like, hey, you know, we don't need this centralized source. We can create our own different servers to reach new audiences. Um, And that's kind of how... You know, Instagram came into play in, I guess, 2014, I think that was. Um, We also had the 24-hour news cycle, which, you know, you as a a media journalist know that news never stops now. Um, And then I think it was like also you know, the birth of social media in my space too, like I said. So it was like the beginner, beginning of user-generated content. Now in Web3, you know, people are saying, well, you know, maybe... I don't want to sell my content for free online or I don't want to connect or have to, you know, deal with Instagram or Twitter just to get my thoughts out there. I want to do I want to create my own platform that is decentralized and it's run on my own servers, on my own terms, because I don't want to get shadow banned or blocked. So Web3 is kind of the culmination of everything that Web1 and Web2 did wrong. Um I think it's about ownership. It's about privacy um, and also transparency. Um, and also, I think it's about this DeFi, this idea that you can, you know, say what you want and also build what you want, what you want on your own terms, if um, that makes sense. So you can identify as whatever you want. You can be anonymous. You could be, you know the president if you want it on your own platform. Um, and you can contribute in technology in a way that's relevant to you and your own lifestyle. Mm. You said DeFi. I hear that a lot. What is exactly does DeFi mean? So DeFi in term in short is decentralized finance. So it's the idea that you don't have to go to a centralized banking system to um, transact and pay for goods and services. You can create your own world. It's permissionless. And it's also you can come as you are. So you don't have to be um, someone as a traditional finance in Wall Street to make your own protocol. You can make your protocol based on how you and your community identify that. So that's what I think DeFi is. And I always say it's come as you are. Same, same. And that obviously the question was rhetorical. If you guys are listening and wondering or wanting to know more about that specifically, again, go to the episode that Melissa mentioned where I'm talking with Wendy about all things crypto 101. You can head over there. But now we're going to head back over to Web3 and the metaverse uh, because this is something that I, I am still genuinely trying to wrap my mind around. I feel like they're technically too... Naturally, I don't know what I think. Web3 metaverse. 
interchangeable terms, slightly different things? Like what, what is the difference if there is one? You know what? So when I was first getting into crypto in 2017, um, as you mentioned in my bio, I got into crypto through blockchain and I was working, you know, for this um, female investor and she was investing in blockchain technology. So, you know, back then, web people weren't really saying Web3. The, the term was coined in 2014, I believe, um, by the creator of Polkadot, which is another like Web3 kind of cryptocurrency. But people weren't really talking about it, you know, as, as much. Now that we have cryptocurrency and we have Meta and we also have the, you know, the the advent of the creator economy, this is just a whole umbrella term that you put all these things into one, which could be the metaverse, which could be cryptocurrency, DeFi, and, you know, other decentralized um, applications that creators are starting on their own term. Um, I use, I like to, I like to say that, um, you know, the metaverse is quickly becoming like a combination between social media spaces like Discord um, and also mixed reality um, applications like virtual reality, um, filters, um, Decentraland and, you know, roadblocks. So it's kind of a, co a compilation of all these things into one. And how do you um, decide, you know, which one you go to is based on like which one fits your personality and what you want to do in a space. It really is a free-for-all. Yeah, right? it's literally a free-for-all because <laughs> it's decentralized so people yeah. can like do whatever they want with. Yeah. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. 
Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. I have one of the Oculus headsets, like the oh, virtual nice. reality headsets. I'm still wrapping my mind around it. I use it a little bit. Okay. Um, but that essentially, those sorts of headsets and that sort of tech is kind of a gateway into the the VR of the metaverse, yes? For mm-hmm. someone listening who might not have ever utilized anything like this before. You know what? Yes, it is. Okay, Oculus is owned by Facebook. So you are going into Facebook's metaverse. Oh. Um, and so when you're, you know, putting on your Oculus, you know, headset, you can go into different um, websites or Web3 sites, but mm. it's not necessarily the end all, you know, be all of, you know, VR. There's other VR was started in like the 90s and it's just now um seeing its tipping point because of the metaverse and because people are like, okay, I want to buy things. I want to, I want to transact in the metaverse. And there was a stat that I read that 70% of millennials actually bought goods and services in the metaverse. Um, I actually have a VR site, um, violetsummerzine.com. And I wanted to create my own metaverse. So essentially, you know, anyone can create their metaverse and you can put on your VR headset and you can go into these different spaces and kind of, you know, see how, you know, it's not just a one dimensional space. It can be three dimensional and five dimensional. So that's what makes the VR headsets really cool and interesting because as people, we want to continue to evolve and, you know, like the world, you know, Christopher Columbus and all these people that when they were navigating the world, you know, the, the one thing that they discovered that the world isn't flat, it's, it's, circular and it's always evolving. So how do we put those ideas into technology? And that's where VR and all these mixed realities come in. Got it. Yeah. I think that's really important to note because I don't think that like now that I'm thinking a little bit more deeply about it, it's like, oh, well, yes, of course that would be the case. But I'd not done that until you brought up that point that the Oculus is one thing, but that is very Mm -hmm. much Facebook's metaverse. Like it's not like, oh, Mm -hmm. I put on any VR headset ever and I'm just in the metaverse. <laughs> These are right. <laughs> curated or created spaces um, that can kind of be self-contained. It's not like you just have access to this universe and it's all shared space. You have to go out of your way to create many metaverses. So wait, is it many, a bunch yeah. of tiny metaverses and we just say metaverse when we're generically referring to anytime you're in that type of space? Yeah. So Okay, so just going back to Oculus, like you have to log in with your Facebook to use Oculus, your Facebook login. Um, But in general, like in the future, there's going to be many different spaces because, you know, web web one, it was just about, you know, you have like three, four different websites and that's what you can go on to. But humans are nuanced, you know, we want to get into different spaces and different communities that we identify with and fit our needs. And so a lot of different platforms now are creating their own metaverses based on, you know, their communities. So, uh, for example, this over the weekend, if you heard of Board Ape Yacht Club, which is an NFT collective, they, um, 
they created their own metaverse called the other side. And essentially they put these land plots called other deeds up for grabs um, on an NFT marketplace platform called OpenSea. And they had 54,000 plots of land. And this, these plots of land, um, consist of their metaverse. And within it, you know, you can go into the metaverse with uh, your VR headset or whatever headset you're, 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 um, you're, tra- you're navigating with, or you can go into the metaverse with, you know, um, your website, kind of, you know, a Web3 website, which, which, you, which would be logging in with your wallet. We can get, it, get into that a little later. Um, so there's many different metaverses. And it's honestly like who has the most money to create these large scale productions that are connected onto the blockchain. Um, which chain that they may be on is completely depends on, I guess, um, you know, the, the project that you're, you know, investing in. So I guess in short, you know, there's, there's many different metaverses. It just depends on which one. Okay. Got it. That makes total sense. (laughs) You mentioned a lot of this depends on how much money you have to, to kind of figure out what you can do or what's possible in this new world, which is interesting and slightly ironic, right? Because the whole thing about decentralization and sort of democratizing tech again and the ability for artists to create and be paid and, and compensated fairly. And then it's like, oh, but Meta's just going to swoop in and like the fact that I even have to use my Facebook login means, okay, cool. So the man just followed me into the metaverse, basically. Um, right. Do you have any concerns about this environment that everyone is so excited about becoming just a pay to play, another pay to play environment? Or is there a way to keep it pure? Um, do people just have to decide to patronize spaces that aren't owned by, you know, mega billionaire and trillionaire CEOs and tech dudes? Yeah. So I so when I first started out writing about tech, it was in 2016 and I was really interested in digital rights and basically how females and people of color are subjugated online through things like revenge porn, which is the idea of, you know, putting up pictures um, that is not that you didn't consent on like sexual pictures. So that was kind of my excavation into uh, digital rights and the platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are the number one platforms that, that are allowing people um, to cause harm to other, you know, human beings. So knowing that they have such, you know, lenient rules for, you know, revenge porn and, and bullying, I do not agree with, you know, Facebook commandeering the word meta. And so I don't have an Oculus and I don't have a Facebook because of that. Now, when you ask other people, is that, you know, a part of their mission or is that, or values, they might not care about that. They might just want to get into the metaverse and, you know, start meeting new people. And that's fine. But Web3 is about your freedom to choose. And we have a lot of options because 
things are becoming decentralized and, you know, you don't have, you don't have to have a lot of money to, to build a metaverse. Honestly, you really don't. Um, especially with me, I built my own VR site and I essentially it was kind of like a chance of, of meeting these developers online. And, you know, they built my VR site essentially for free. So, really? you know, there's opportunities out there if you seek them. And if you have, if you want to take risks, like I think, there's always a reward for, for taking that risk. Um, so, you know, before I go down the rabbit hole, I do think that, you know, you should do your own research on, you know, what you're getting into because there's already reports of people being bullied in the, in the metaverse in Oculus prime. Like I've heard people like, say that they won't, they go into these Oculus Prime kind of metaverses and they get, you know, there's a lot of racism, like, you know, you can switch your clothes apparently in some games and sometimes people switch it to like really racist, you know, epitaph clothing. Um, I've heard of people being followed in the metaverse. So it could be a really scary place. And if there's no sense, if there's no digital rights or rule law within your metaverse, within your community, like how do you reprimand bad actors in the metaverse? And that's kind of like a huge topic right now. And I think it has to do with like the mission and the value. So I think it's value first, mission first, when you start to, you know, explore these different um, technologies and the companies and the people that are making them. Mm, That's a really great point and something to think about. Also really encouraging the idea to your point that anyone can kind of make their own metaverse. If you don't see the worlds that you want to be a part of, you can very much create that world. The rules Mm -hmm. are, are yours to make in any space that you're the one curating. Uh, so that's that's really exciting when it comes to the opportunity for people to mi- to build communities that are really value focused or mission driven and resonate most truly with them. Um, ooh, let me go make a little metaverse yeah. real quick. How do you? <laughs> and one of my friends and one of my colleagues, um, she's building Mushi, which is a museum. It's like an online uh, fine arts museum, and she just um, she just raised three point three million dollars. She's a black woman. It's called Mushi, and she's building her own metaverse. So you know, once she acquires all this um, fine art NFTs, she'll be able to showcase them in her metaverse. So it's really about you know. Know, finding these projects, you know, going on to these sites like Afrotech or um, Crypto in a City, which is my column, and, you know, learning about them, uh, not just like going on, you know, Huffington Post or whatever mainstream outlet and saying like, oh, because it's not on, you know, this XYZ mainstream outlet, it's not relevant. No, right. that's not that's not what Web3 is about. Like, let's let's take the power off of like five people and give it back to the creators and independent um, outlets that are really like showcasing amazing work and for people to 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 invest in and to, to enjoy. Love that crypto in the city, y'all. Okay, let me go. Get, <laughs> I need to go make sure I'm getting my weekly updates too. Yeah, it's weekly updates. So Crypto City, it's like my column. It's weekly updates. Um, I share um, my journey into personal finance, but also you know how I got into the space, what conf- what crypto conferences I'm going to, what drama that just took place, and you know how to invest in the latest tokens, etc. But it's not a financial advice, so you should definitely do your own research. Just you gotta always put that little disclaimer on the back end, right? Okay, Crypto in the City. If people want to subscribe, is it now I'm like, do we need to go find it in the metaverse to sign up? Do we just go to a website in Web2? Like, how do we initially engage? 
Yeah. So um, if you go to violetsummer.exchange, you can see all of my products. And if you want to learn more about Web3, I have a Web3 for newbies courses. I also have um, information on my latest Violet Summer um, magazine. So it's violetsummer.exchange. And that's basically my own exchange. Okay. Because it's DeFi. So I created my own thing. Yes, you better have your own exchange. I love it. Okay, violetsummer.exchange. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. One thing that I've heard a lot about in the context of this space is Discord. You and I were talking about this right before we hopped on for the actual podcast recording. Um, people are, people had been telling me like, let's take this conversation to discord. Let's go here. And I'm like, wait, I don't know if I want to, cause it's another thing. And why should I be yeah. on discord? Why can't we just text? Um, so why should we be on discord? Why shouldn't we maybe just text? What is it? Yeah. So discord was basically a site for gamers, um, to go and like stream their games. But, um, now it's quickly becoming a site for com- NFT communities and crypto communities to go and organize and communicate on the latest updates of the community. Um, it's also, it's a, vo- it holds a lot of people. So, um, back then we were talking about AOL.com and like aim and, you know, there was a limit of friends that you could have on those platforms because it was a data thing. Now with discord, 
you know, it's it's more features. You're able to stream. You're able to, you know, have a voice chat. And you're you're also able to build communities more efficiently. It's also crypto. Um, friendly. So you can also have different airdrops on this platform. Um, And so a lot of NFT communities have made Discord their kind of template uh, communication system. Um, In my full-time job as a head of community at Apeworks, um, we use Discord over Slack because the developers and also people in our community are just more in it's more intrinsic to like how we build online, especially when it comes to technology. So should we be on discord? Yeah, of course. Um, your little cousins or, you know, my 10 year old nephews are already on discord and they don't know anything or they kind of know about crypto because I gave, I started them off with a wallet, but they were already on discord because they were, they're gamers. Right. So now that, you know, we have more people coming onto this platform because it's crypto native, it's more NFT friendly. Um, if you're, if you want to be an NFT collector, which we'll probably talk about, or if you want to, yeah. yeah, or if you want to, be in a community of like, you know, crypto traders, absolutely get on discord. It's just the latest technology, honestly. Got it. Okay. So it's not for a a brief moment. I thought it was just a communication platform where you don't have to worry about being monitored or the rug being pulled from under you with your conversations. Because it is also some sort of like, girl, I just made a whole thing up in my head. No one ever told me this, by the way. (laughs) Okay. So in my mind. You could get rugged on Discord. Um, if you do start to navigate Discord, beware of links. I wouldn't click on any links, um, especially when it comes to like NFTs and transacting in these communities, because you can totally get your crypto stolen just from a link click. It's called phishing. And these scammers have, have gone truly just off the wall with how they target you, um, especially when it comes to social engineering. So you think that you're talking to someone and on that's a real human being on Discord, but you're actually talking to a bot. Ooh. So, you know, at one point, Discord could be a really scary place, but it could also be a really fun place. Um, I'm in a project now called Iconic Miss Crypto Clinic NFT Collection, and it's a place where women could go and find celestial support um, through multiple channels. Um, So we have channels about anxiety. There's channels about um, being single, engaged, um, having bipolar problems. And it's just a way that women can go and like pretty much chat about these issues in a safe environment, non-judgment environment. So that's a Discord server that I love to be a part of because it's kind of like an aim, but it's more, it's a little bit more focused and fun and they have game nights and stuff. Um, but yeah, Discord is not necessarily a, some, um, you know, decentralized. Like if you, you can you. definitely, <laughs> yeah, you can, de- don't talk, go in there talking crazy because someone can report you. You never okay. know the government might be watching. Like oh. if you want to go on a completely, yeah, if you want to go on a completely centralized, decentralized channel, there's channels like Signal. Um, a lot of journalists use Signal when they're dealing with high quality stories, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and Telegram better. too is also another great channel. Um, it just depends on what community you, you want to be a part of and like what they, um, what their choice of uh, communication channels are. Okay. Got it. You mentioned NFTs. We're headed there now. Let's switch gears. Non-fungible tokens. Just a quick refresher. What is an NFT? 
And why should we care? How do we use these in the metaverse? So an NFT that is anything that can be a digital object and that needs to be on a blockchain, which is a digital ledger. So a blockchain is basically a highway and a highway that never sleeps. And if you look at the NFTs, you can think of them as cars that they're on this highway and they have to pay um, gas or a toll to navigate this highway. So an NFT that is anything that can be um, in the physical space, replicated in a digital space. Um, an NFT can be different classes. So you could have an NFT could be a social coin, um, like Dogecoin. Um, an NFT can be um, a, a cup, or it could be um, a Christmas object. Um, it's basically a piece of a, a, a physical object that could be uh, replicated in a digital space. And um, a lot of artists are using NFTs because artists, um, they want a lot of, I guess, a lot of people buy art on in person and they want to buy art online. And so, you know, an NFT is a way for artists to keep track of their work and also um, get paid for what it's worth when it's sold on a secondary market. So an artist can continue to get paid um, in the space. So essentially like royalties, right? Some, I don't know if that would be the exact phrase, but no matter how many times that piece of art gets sold, that original creator will always get a kickback. We're in the, our, what, what is, what do we even call this now? I'm talking about the metaverse. What is our world we live in? Chris? <laughs> uh, in real life. Yes. So, real life. Yeah, because, <laughs> right. Because like, if you look at artists like Picasso, you know, in his lifetime, he really never got uh, paid the worth of his art or his family, really. So basically, you know, when we take that concept and we apply it to the digital space, we want artists to get paid. Like we said, we want ownership of our work. So like you said, it's essentially like, receiving royalties or a creator fee. That's what they call it um, when it's sold on a secondary market. And then um, you can track the ownership on the blockchain because that that transfer of this contract, which is an NFT, can go for multiple people and you know exactly who bought it and at what value. And if you write in your NFT contract, like the owner of this original contract gets 5% royalty or creator fee every time it's sold, then it's it's creating value, it's creating wealth for your future generations. Um, so I, I mentioned Clubhouse. Um, these developers, they were creating... NFTs already existed since 2015, but they really didn't have a use case of a non-fungible token until the artists came into play. And during the pandemic, artists couldn't sell their work in real life. They couldn't go to these you know, flea markets or sales or they couldn't do shows. So the developers were in this room and they went into the art, you know, these artist rooms that were pretty much like complaining or, you know, just trying to figure out how to make money. And these developers are like, have you heard of an NFT? Like you should come into this, this room. And like, I have this new, um, this new platform called OpenSea or Rarible. And like, you're going to be able to make money and your family is going to be able to benefit off of that. And that was kind of like how we, how I got into this space and how wag me, it's called, we all going to make it. It's kind of a web three NFT terminology. So when people say wag me, it means we all going to make it. And that's kind of like the mission statement of like the NFT space and how artists are going to continue to not only get paid their work, but, feed their families. And that's like kind of been the mission statement for um, Web3, especially when it comes to creators. That's amazing. If people want to 
purchase NFTs, sell NFTs. Is the wallet the key? How do you do that? Yeah. So back then, so we had cryptocurrency. Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. Then Ethereum came along. The founder of Ethereum, his name is Vitalik. He worked at Bitcoin Magazine and he pretty much got fed up with you know, Bitcoin and like how there was not a use case for it. So he started Ethereum, which was which is the first blockchain that held smart contracts, which are NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And he wanted to create a way to store uh, data on the blockchain. So essentially, a lot of people had these currencies, uh, cryptocurrencies, but they couldn't do anything with them. Um, and when NFTs came along, this is a way that people could actually start transacting on the blockchain. So when you have a wallet, um, you have essentially a, a digital like ledger and you can put data onto this wallet. So um, a lot of people have MetaMask wallets. Um, that's a decentralized wallet. And you pretty much, since you have already have your cryptocurrency, you can transfer um, your coins onto this wallet. Essentially like a pocketbook, it's the same the same aspect. Like cold like, storage, you yeah. Know, you go, yeah, it's cold storage. You you have a bank, you have your, your bank, which could be a Coinbase or a Binance. And you take that cryptocurrency and you put it in your wallet. And then you start, you can start buying your NFTs from your wallet, essentially. Um, once you buy your, um, once you put your cryptocurrency in your wallet, then you're automatically able to start buying your NFTs. Um, and that's kind of pretty much how people um, hold their NFTs in their hot or cold wallet. Okay. Got it. Got it. Ooh, a lot, a lot to unpack. So, it's a lot, but essentially it's like just replicating everything that's in the digital space, but there's a lot of technology and I must admit there's a UX problem because there's a lot of steps to go for it. And since yeah. we're still early on, I think it's going to get, it's going to smooth out the pro the process of buying an NFT. But if you have like, if you already have your cryptocurrency, you just need like a wallet, you transfer over your cryptocurrency and then you're able to, Buy your NFTs. Got it. Okay. Got it. And you guys, this is like a one-on-one -on -one combo. So obviously there's much more to explore here, um, but we'll keep it, <laughs> we'll keep it around there for the sake of processing in this one episode for everyone. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. 
It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. There's another topic I really want to talk with you about. This is something that I've just noticed myself. I'm like, oh, sex really sells. Also, in this new Web3 world, too, it's been really interesting to like watch some of, um, some of the spaces evolve and kind of things associated with it. You were interviewed in Jezebel about the topic of <laughs> yes. the crypto hottie, right? Because I, I was like, oh, she's cute. Oh, she's, oh, ooh, okay. And it, I didn't realize it was a thing that people are actually talking about in this space. And now I'm like, okay, so this is a talker. What is the quote unquote crypto hottie? Um, and, and what did you discuss with Jezebel? Yeah, so I guess the crypto hottie is someone who posts quote unquote thirst traps online and they may be promoting a diff- a coin. They may be promoting Bitcoin. And essentially it's like someone who's posting like these amazing photos of themselves mm-hmm. online in order to attract attention to either their platform or a cryptocurrency that just launched. You know, when Jezebel interviewed me about the I guess the the rise of the crypto hottie. Um, I was just a little adamant on trying to level the playing field because that's not what the industry is about. Of course, 81% of the cryptocurrency industry is male dominated. I mean, a lot of the founders of these huge exchanges and platforms are male, but there's a lot of female builders in the space, but sex sells. And, you know, there, everyone has a role in this industry. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, uh, there's some women or um, even men too, um, <laughs> who mm-hmm. post of, you know, sexual photos of them online in order to sell their or shill their NFT project or shill a coin. And that's okay, but I don't think that should be the narrative of women online, especially when it comes to Web3, because we're so early and we need builders in this space. And there's a lot of builders, there's a lot of female builders in our space, but they're not giving the platform as these crypto hotties are. And I feel like a lot of the narrative right now is being dominated by, you know, influencers or, you know, these crypto hotties in this space that, you know, that's great if they want to do that, but it doesn't, I don't think it has longevity in the industry. And, you know, a lot of the coins that they might be shilling might be a scam. It might be a rug pull and they might not be in the industry. So if you're investing in something for vanity metrics or for vanity reasons, that's not a great way to invest. That might be your investment strategy, but that's not an investment strategy that's going to have and hold weight and build wealth for your family in the long run. 
because it is regulated. So, um, you know, I was interviewed and I, I basically took the stance of like, when I go to these crypto conferences, I'm not dressing, you know, like I'm going out to a club. Um, I made that mistake. I was at a crypto conference called Solana and I looked nice. You know, I didn't look like crazy. I didn't have like, you know, my boobs out or whatever. <laughs> but men, a lot of the men, they didn't take me serious. They were like, oh, are you here to get with the hype or are you a builder? Mm. And it just didn't sit right with me because a lot of my career, I really fought for, you know, building in the space, but also being taken serious as a black woman and also getting getting to the next level that required me to not, not just fit in, but like stand out and stand out in a way that was that was relevant to my values. So um, the space that I occupy right now, especially, you know, working for a Web3 developer platform, you know, there's a lot of LGBTQI that I work with. There's a lot of, you know, developers that don't want to be docs, that don't want to have a lot of attention to them. So I want to relate to them, but I also want to be taken serious. So I just come as I come as I am. I make sure that I'm comfortable. And, you know, in those instances where I was called out by these like crazy male, like VCs or whatever, I, you know, I've, I felt like I wasn't coming as myself anyway, because I just, you know, I just felt like I was not going for what I wanted or going, going as how I wanted to, to, to be portrayed. So that article was, I'm glad to be glad that I was included, but I'm representing the builders and the people that are underdogs and, you know, might not have a large following in the space, but are contributing a lot into the space. So that's that was my stance on that. Absolutely. And to your point about the builders and the people who are doing the work in this space who might be the underdogs, um, this space really is ripe with opportunity for people who may not otherwise feel that they've had those sorts of opportunities, IRL, in real life. Um, I'd love mm-hmm. if you could just speak briefly to some of the career opportunities, um, opportunities to make money, to collaborate, um, to connect in this space. For someone who, who just can't wrap their mind around it yet, what are jobs that we could consider in this space? Yeah. So if there's, you know, there's a, there's builders in this space and there wouldn't be corporations without builders. So let's put, that's, that's number one. Number two, Web3, there's so many new job titles. So my job title is a head of community. And essentially, it's a mix of marketing, communication, and um, growing a community of you know enthusiasts that are really hooked on this one product. So head of community is one. There are NFT managers where um, you might have like some like one of your clients might have a million dollars to invest or maybe like $300,000 to invest in. And then you as the NFT manager are going out into these discord spaces or Twitter spaces and bringing back the latest um, insight and alpha from these communities. So that's an NFT manager. And then you're also um, transacting for them. So you're minting, which is, um, putting something onto the blockchain, pretty much. Being like the first person, person, put that on there. Yeah, you're the first person. Um, I've met a lot of NFT managers. Steve Harvey has an NFT manager. Okay. Um, yes, um, there is a developer relations. So if you're not technical, that's fine. Um, there's a misconception that you have to be technical in this space. Um, if someone can... if 
if someone's interested in a developer relation um, position is essentially um, being an advocate for developers. So uh, showcasing their la- the latest technology, writing articles, writing blogs, um, creating um, workshops and things like that. Um, if you, if anybody wants to get into the tech space, they can do women in NFTs, hashtag women in NFTs and Twitter. It's really crucial that you have a Twitter as well. So we talked about discord, but Twitter is like one of the number one social platforms that crypto tit Twitter and web three is alive and well. So if you just type in a search engine, black women in tech or black in tech, Latina in tech, you'll find a plethora of opportunities. And also if you type in web three jobs, you'll find an amazing, um, just like all this information about web three jobs. Cause a lot of people get their jobs off Twitter as well right. and discord. Um, so yeah, that's like, a that's like kind of how you can get more into like the career space. Um, when I was trans- transitioning into web two and one three, I was in a program called on deck and essentially it was started by a Silicon Valley executive. Um, and his name is Eric Tornberg, and it's it helps um, people who are in the corporate space get into these startups. Or if you're a founder, it's kind of like an accelerator to get into these startups. So they'll tell you all everything that you need to know about navigating a startup of 10 people um, or 50 people. How do you ask for equity in a startup? How do you navigate? Um, Uh, negotiate your salary, all these things that, you know, we didn't really learn um, in the corporate space. Maybe we just took our salary as face value. But, you know, in the tech space, you can you can make a lot of money. People there's millionaires that happen overnight because a startup went public or, you know, some a startup was bought out by a Microsoft or a large, you know, corporation. Um, So on deck is a great um, is a great platform for that as well. Um, and Facebook, I know we talked a little, <laughs> we talked bad about Facebook, but Facebook has a lot of great um, career groups, especially women um, in technology groups. So if you just Google um, search on on uh, Facebook, you'll find a, um, some awesome groups. Black Women in Tech is one. I know the founder of Black Women in Tech. Um, and, you know, even TikTok, you know, you can find some great uh, resources. So it's really just like, don't just look in LinkedIn, you know, don't <laughs> look at um, Glassdoor. Those are kind of like really centralized systems. Look at other ways to to find and create and these opportunities. Yeah, those really great resources. Thank you so much for listing all of that. If you're interested in pivoting into the tech industry, if you just want to learn more about this space that we're all headed to, whether we're involved professionally or just personally. Um, so I will certainly be digging into some of those. Um, before I want to wrap up soon here with just sort of personally, how you practice self-care and wellness in the space and, you know, kind of keep church and state separate or maintain your, your, your mental peace in the midst of all of this, but really quickly, um, U S legislation surrounding this space. Do you keep up with that at all? Do you know, do you like kind of follow the trades when it comes to how the government is or isn't trying to 
weasel its way into Web3 to kind of govern from there also? Is that something we have to worry about? I think from a tax perspective, like you should be um, aware of it. Um, you know, the laws are going to change. I think it's going to be more a federal um, a federal issue because right now and I'm based in Florida. So the, the crypto tax laws are pretty lenient. Um, but if you're in other states, you know, it might not be as lenient. So I try to only keep up with my domicile, like how I'm domiciled. But, you know, um, I think right now it's still decentralized regulation is coming. Um, it's probably going to be on, you know, your cryptocurrency, how, how you're trading, the volume that you're trading. If you're trading like over, you know, 10K or 100K, you should be reporting it on your taxes. Um, and also it's just like a, it's like a, you know, a, a value thing. Like if you're doing bad stuff in the marketplace, um, the narrative of crypto um, before it was like a lot of people were buying drugs and, you know, all this stuff on the black on the black market. But I think the narrative is changing because more women are getting into the space and women are natural storytellers. Um, and so there's more use cases for cryptocurrency now, especially when it comes to blockchain. Um, the software, the blockchain software company that I work with now, um, we are really just about, you know, streamlining the code and making sure there's no hacks, that there's uh, it's security focused. Um, so, you know, I think going back to your question about, you know, the legislation, it's going to change. Um, but I think you like it's based on the person. So, you know, really just be aware of like, you know, how, you know, how much money you're how much currency you're you're trading and then how that can, may affect your taxes. Got it. OK, very important to know. Um you don't want to end up in jail, guys. So stay on target. Yeah. <laughs> um, to wrap things up, Hot Happy Mess is all about best life minus the burnout. You know, we're all striving for our individual goals. Some of us are really excited about Web3. Some of us, it's the yoga and meditative and spiritual spiritual space. Some people are out here, you know, building um, artistic endeavors. But what is most important and what the podcast, what my hope is with the podcast is that no matter what you're passionate about or pursuing, you're doing it from a place of wellness and peace and, and self-care and self-love. So I'm curious to know for you, someone who is very much in this space, and it obviously, it's so clear just how um, successful and forward thinking you are, but that takes a lot. So like, do you deal with burnout? Do you ever get overwhelmed by the space that you're in? And what does that self-care and, and wellness look like for you so that you can avoid those feelings? Yeah, so... The crypto community is very global. So I've been traveling a lot and, you know, it's ever changed. It's something always changes every single day. So I just have to tell myself, like, I have everything I need to be successful, but I don't need to be in multiple conversations. Mm. Um, so that's like one, that's like one of my mantras. Like I have everything I need to be successful. I'm not going to, you know, just because I'm not super technical doesn't mean my you know, my, my opinions or my, you know, skills don't matter. It does matter in this space. Um, and when I'm traveling, so a, when I'm traveling, I always take my vitamins, um, vitamin D supplements. I learned that early on, I got burnt out when I was at Ethereum Denver conference, like so many of us got sick because we were partying all night and then getting up early and then working and that's, and we're, we're still coronavirus is still around. So, you know, it's really important to practice like that health 
health aspect. Um, and then the my the mindfulness. I would I love to practice mindfulness. I have a, a morning regimen. So living in Florida, I get up in the morning. I always go for a run. I always like try to meditate. I use my crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, nice. Yeah. So I always have my crystals with me. Um, and so it was really important to to you know have that morning routine. And then when I'm on the road um, in different countries, you know, getting a good night's sleep. Sleep, you know, not partying nonstop, you know, limiting my alcohol consumption and stuff like that, because in the crypto space, and I think this is like a lo- how a lot of people kind of view it, it is like a fast paced industry, there's a lot of money involved, like you never have to pay for anything, because like, some crypto exchange. There's always some crypto millionaire who's willing. Yeah, to some millionaire go. bought out the club or whatever. Right. And so, you know, it's like just I just learn to pace myself and then also just know like when my body my body feels tired, it's okay to stay in my hotel room or Airbnb and just chill and like watch a show and like, you know, not be on Twitter, like scrolling Twitter and getting into like all this Twitter drama. Um as women in the space, I feel like because we're like the the minority in the space right now, there's a need or a need to like really like bring more women in the space and be that like person that is the leader and like at all these events and stuff. But you can really get burnt out. And I, I, I was already burnt out in web two. So in web three, I'm all about slow living. You know, when I first started my job in crypto, I didn't know anything especially when it comes to like the code and like the blockchain and hash functions. And it was really important for me to just take a deep breath and just like do a lot of social listening and the team that I'm around, they're amazing. And like the founder is like super smart, worked on Ethereum, like crypto OG. And it's just like, you don't have to do anything right now for four weeks if you don't want. Just like listen. And I think that's one thing like I, I learned to do is just like listen and then like, you know, write and, and then react. So those are just some of my self-care r- routine tips. And if you join Iconic Miss Crypto Clinic, we practice self-care and that's what it's about. Like that's sub- celestial support system and meditation and like just making sure you have what you need to to be your most authentic self. Right. And that's Iconic Miss Crypto Summit? Iconic Miss Crypto Clinic. So right. it's Clinic NFT on Twitter. And it's a it's an NFT collection that Camille Dargan, my homegirl from like 18 years ago, started um, because she was burnt out in the tech space. And, you know, in tech, you can get burnt out easily because you want to be, you know, ahead and you have to work twice as hard as women. But, you know, with this collection, it's about providing women with the celestial support system and letting and breathing through your emotions and crying when you want and just being you pretty much. It's so important. Those are really great tips. It's so awesome to see you uh, carving out your lane in this space. It's really inspiring. I'm like, oh, God, I need to go read like Tim. I'm trying. Honestly, like, it's great. Like, listen, getting on this podcast was it's a self thing. It's like, okay, I'm not the proverbial women, but. I know telling my story will make a difference. And, you know, I'm navigating this dark forest, as we like to call it in crypto. And right now, when you're, you know, when you're hiking or if you're lost, like it's fear, it's a lot of fear. So I think leaning on your self-care routines really, really helps because we're building something that we don't know how we're going to come out at the 
at the, on the other side of the forest. So it's all about like having that those self-care routines to lean on and also that support network to say, no, you're not crazy. Keep going. Like just find something. Just keep right. going. Amen. Amen. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your knowledge. We have so many things we can check out if we want to not just support you, which is absolutely imperative, but also learn about the space. You're giving so much to the community and and some of the newbies, myself included. So that's appreciated. Um, Iconic Miss Crypto Clinic. Uh, you've got you're on Instagram, Mel Writes Miami and Twitter. Yes. Instagram and Twitter, Mel Writes Miami and then VioletSummer.exchange. You'll find everything you need to know to create a vibe. Um, and we need to get you some NFTs. So yes. I'm excited to airdrop some things to you yes. because that's what this industry is about. Giving. I love, I, was it. Giving. I love it. Well, so, here I am know, all about it. We will definitely be keeping this conversation going offline or online, but yes. in the metaverse or wherever we want to take yes, it. In the metaverse. Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> talk in the metaverse because I am. I'm ready to buy it. I want to get into this space. I've been just doing my due diligence and learning. Now I'm ready to start, you know, exchanging, start moving around. So I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you again. And uh, I know my audience is going to love this. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Love, love, love that conversation. Melissa has such amazing energy and I really enjoy one, just her energy, her spirit, her personality, how relatable and conversational she is when talking about really heavy, kind of complicated stuff if you don't know anything about it. And she broke down crypto, NFTs, Web3 in such a user-friendly, fun way. That's the spirit. That's how I like to get things done. I'm so excited. I need to dive into this world more. I'm excited to learn more. I'll have to report back with how this goes for me because this is the year that I'm going to be making some purchases in this space. So let's see how it goes. Thank you again, Melissa, for joining me on the podcast. Before we leave, I do want to just drop a little listener review real quick. Like at selfie queen 24 says, love this. I heard you on the breakfast club and decided to check the podcast. So glad I did refreshing and so relatable excited. I found a good one. Thank you, Selfie Queen. Uh, I love The Breakfast Club. It's one of my faves. And so many of y'all have loved the episodes that they've shared on their feed. So if this is your first time listening to Hot Happy Mess, go back and start from episode one. The thing that I love about our show, the thing that I'm most proud of, is that all of these episodes are evergreen. It doesn't matter what order you listen in. It's not chronological. Each episode is its own self-contained gold of knowledge and fun and funniness and wisdom and expertise and all of the things. So browse around, look at the episode titles, figure out where you are in your life and what you might want a little bit of an assist on and then hit play. You could jump to episode 35, Reclaim Your Life, where our amazing guest and real woman LaToya is sharing her powerful story with anxiety and chronic depersonalization and her journey through recovery to emotional wellness. Um, Trust me, this Real Woman Real Story Spotlight is guaranteed to leave you laughing your ass off and simultaneously ready to wipe away a singular thuck tear. Just one tear. (laughs) We ain't crying too much over here. I did cry a lot the last couple of weeks because of all of the birthday celebrations. I felt very loved, but back to thugging it. It's all good. (laughs) We just, we keeping it moving. Um, Thank you again, Selfie Queen, for your review. And if you listening have not yet reviewed, 
Could you please? Words of affirmation keep Team Hot and Happy Mess going. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. And stay tuned. More episodes every Wednesday. Share this episode with a friend if you loved it. And in the meantime, follow me. Hit me up at Zuri Hall or at Hot Happy Mess on Instagram and Twitter. And I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye, all Bye, all Bye, all This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu.